Chapter Twenty of The Orphan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Orphan by Clarence E. Mulford. Chapter Twenty. Bill attends the picnic. The picnic aroused quite a stir for so frivolous a thing. When Blake read Mrs. Shields' invitation to the outfit, they acted like schoolboys dismissed for a vacation. Grins of delight were the style on the Star Sea, and the overflow of bubbling happiness took the form of practical joking against Humble, whose life suddenly held much anxiety. In Ford Station there was an air of expectancy, and Bill spent all of Saturday morning from daylight until time to start in cleaning his stage and grooming the horses, whose astonishment quickly passed into prohibitive indignation. After narrowly escaping broken bones and chewed arms, Bill decided that the sextet could go as it was. "'Serves em right!' he yelled to his friendly enemy, the clerk, after he had barely dodged a vicious kick, wildly waving a curry-comb. "'Let the ignoramuses go like they are. Let em show how cheap and common they are. They never was any good for anything anyhow eating their heads off and kicking their best friend?" "'How about the time they beat out them Apaches?' asked the clerk, settling back comfortably against the couch. "'You get out!' yelled Bill pugnaciously. "'Who asked you for talk, eh? And get away from that coach, you idiot! You'll dirty it all up!' "'Sick em, Tige!' jeered the clerk pleasantly. "'Chew em up!' "'What?' yelled Bill, swiftly grabbing up the pail of water which stood near him. "'Sick em, is it?' he cried, running forward. "'Chew em up, eh?' he continued, heaving the contents of the pail at the clerk, who nimbly sprang aside the vehicle and slammed the door shut behind him as the water struck it. He leaped out of the other door and was safely away before Bill realized what had happened. Then the driver said things when he saw the mess he had made of the coach, upon which he had spent two hard hours in polishing. "'Suffering dogs!' he shouted, dancing first on one foot and then on the other. "'Now look what you've done! You're a age-blank of a feller you are! After me rubbing the skin off in my hands and breaking my arms of polishing it up! You good-for-nothing mangy half-breed! Wait till I get a hold of you, you long pair of legs, you! Just wait! I'll show you all right!' The clerk twiddled his fingers from afar and jeered in his laughter. "'Serve you right! Sick em, Towser! Eat em up, Fido! Sick em, sick em!' he shouted joyously, and forthwith ran for his life. Bill returned to the coach and worked like mad to undo the evil effects he had wrought, and finally succeeded in bringing a phantom glow to the time-battered wood. Then he hitched up and drove to the sheriff's house where he saw huge baskets on the porch. "'Good morning, Mrs. Shields,' he said as he stamped to the door. "'Good morning, ladies.' "'Good morning, William,' replied the sheriff's wife, as she hurried to collect shawls and blankets. "'Will you mind putting those baskets on the coach, William? We will soon be ready.' "'Why, certainly not, ma'am,' he answered, recklessly grabbing up the two largest. "'Jiminy!' he exulted. These are sure heavy, all right, all right. Must be plumb full of good things. Today is where your Uncle Bill Holloway gets square for the dinner the company froze him out of. Wonder if there's apricot pie in this one, he mused curiously. He gingerly raised the cover and a grin distorted his face. 
Must be six, yes, eight, maybe ten, he soliloquized as he placed it on the stage. Hello, bottles of some kind, he whispered as he picked up another basket. Hear the little devil's clink, eh? Must be coffee and tea, hey? Yes, sure enough it is. Good Lord, how hungry I am! Wish I had eaten that breakfast this morning. How in thunder did I know we was going to be so late? I'll be the strong man at this picnic, all right." "'Here are some blankets, William,' called Mrs. Shields. "'Helen, would you mind showing him how to carry that box? He's sure to turn it upside down if you don't.' "'Next,' he cried, returning from the trip with the blankets. I put them blankets up on top, Mrs. Shields. Is it all right?" "'How do you do, Miss Helen? Any more freight?' "'How do you do?' she replied. "'This box is to go, please. Now do be very careful not to turn it up or jar it,' she warned. "'And put it on the seat inside the coach where we can steady it.' "'Gee, what's in it?' asked Bill, nearly dying from his curiosity. "'Must be the joker of the feast, eh?' Three layer cakes, she laughingly replied. Chocolate, coconut, and lemon. Um, he said. I'll carry this one high up. It deserves it. Oh, do be careful, she cried as he swooped it up to his shoulder. Oh, she screamed as it thumped against the top of the door frame. Whoa, back up, cried Bill, executing the order. Easy, boy. All right, off we go. Grace, Mary, cried Helen, we are all ready to go. Ain't there any more boxes? asked Bill from the coach. Come, girls, cried Mrs. Shields as she stepped into the coach. Close the door after you and lock it, dear. Bill gallantly helped the ladies into the coach, grinning at the cake box, and started toward the front wheel when he was called back. Now, William, cautioned Mrs. Shields, laughing. We will not be pursued by Apaches today, and this cake must not be shaken. You won't know you're riding, ma'am, you sure won't, he assured her as he danced toward the front wheel again. Wake up there, you, he yelled from the box. Come on, Jerry, think you're glued to the earth? Come on, Tom. Easy there, you fool jackrabbit. Haven't you learned that you can't reach this high? When they had arrived at the A.Y., the baskets were carried into the ranch house and the women became very busy getting things ready for the feast. Bill took care of his team and then carried the blankets to the grove. While the picnic was being prepared, there arose a series of blood-curdling whoops off to the south, where the outfit of the Star Sea made the air blue with powder smoke. As they came nearer, something peculiar was noticed by Helen. It appeared to be a sort of drag drawn by a horse and supported by two long springy poles, one end of which rested on the ground, and the other fastened to the saddle. While she wondered, Bill came up and she turned to him for light. "'What have they got fastened to that horse?' she asked him. He looked and then smiled. "'Why, it is a travoy,' he said. "'But what under the sun have they got on it? They must be bringing their own grub.' The travoy dragged and bumped over the uneven plain, and soon came near enough for its burden to be made out. A man and a dog were strapped to it. At this point Blake joined Helen and Bill, and as he did so he espied the travoy. "'Thunder!' 
he cried, running forward. Somebody is hurt! What's the matter, Silent? he shouted. Matter? asked Silent, in surprise as the outfit drew near. There ain't nothing the matter. Why? What's that Travoy doing with thee then? Blake demanded. Silent's face was as grave as that of an owl. Travoy? he asked. Then his face cleared. Oh, yes, I near forgot about it, he added apologetically. You see, Humble, he sure wanted his dog to come to the picnic, so we reckoned we'd let it come along. Bud and Jim was for slinging it at the end of a rope and dragging it over, but I said no. We ain't got any ropes to have all frayed out and cut a dragging dogs to picnics, and I said so too. So we built the travoy and strapped lightning to it. When Humble saw what we had done, he acted real unpolite. He said as how he wasn't going to have no dog of his'n toted twenty miles in a fool travoy. Said that he'd make it stay home first, which was some mean after inviting the dog to come along. He said that he'd go in a travoy himself first before he'd let the setter be made a fool of. Well, we simply had to subdue him, and he got so unreasonable that we just had to time with his dog. He sure does get awful pig-headed at times. Take off the gag, Jim, requested Silent, turning to the grinning cowpuncher. Let him noose now. We've arrived. Jim leaned over and whispered in Humble's ear, the information being that there were ladies about, and that all swearing must be thought and not yelled. Then he slipped the gag and untied the ropes. Gales of laughter met the angry and indignant puncher when he had leaped to his feet, and he flashed one quick glance at the women, and then, boiling with wrath and suppressed profanity, fled towards the corrals as swiftly as cramped muscles would allow. The dog snarled at its tormentors, and then set off in hot pursuit of its discomfited master, whose waving arms kept time with his speeding legs. "'That's all the thanks we get,' grumbled Bud. But then, he don't know any better anyhow." Blake laughed and regarded his grinning and expectant outfit, and the longer he looked at them, the more he laughed. They had paid their respects to the women while Silent explained about the travoy, and now they cast many longing glances at the blankets and cloths spread out on the grass and at the baskets which Bill was busy over. They had tried to coax the driver to give them information as to what they might expect in the way of edibles but he had haughtily and disdainfully refused to enlighten them, taking care, however, to arouse their curiosity by looking fondly at the box and the baskets and even showed his elation by taking several fancy steps for their benefit. "'Well, get rid of the cayuses,' said Blake, and square things with Humble. Bring him back with you, or don't get any pie. You're such a darn fool crowd that I can't get mad this time.' but don't ever drag a man in a travoy again." "'Did he come, or was he kidnapped?' murmured Bud. "'What we did once we can do again, and Humble will be on hand when the feast begins.' Jim had been scowling at Bill, whose manners were most aggravating. "'You just wait, you heathen,' threatened Jim. "'Your ace high with the grub, all right, but just you wait till we get you alone.' "'Ha!' laughed the driver. I sure can handle the best cow-rassler that ever lived." "'Bill seems to be running this here festival,' Bud complained to Helen. "'Oh, he is our right-hand man,' she replied with enthusiasm. 
we couldn't possibly get along without him now. He has charge of the pie and cake." Bill's chest expanded. "'I'm foreman of the pie and cake herd!' he exclaimed proudly. "'You can't get ahead of me!' Bud looked at the driver, and then significantly waved his hands at the travoy. "'And you sure travel in style, just like a real pie foreman, too, when we gets a chance to honor you like we wants to.' "'You'll get no pie if you act smart, little boy,' retorted the driver. "'Run along and play till lunch is ready, and don't dirty your hands and face.' "'Well, we've got fine memories,' Bud suggested as he led the way to the corrals, where he found the orphan. "'Hello, orphan!' he cried enthusiastically as he gripped the outstretched hand. "'Plum glad to see you. How's things?' "'Glad to see you, boys,' cried the temporary foreman who was all smiles. "'One at a time!' he laughed as they crowded about him. "'Make yourselves right at home. That smallest corral is for your cayuses. And you'll find plenty of soap and water and towels by the bunkhouse, and there's a box of good cigars, a tin of tobacco, and a jug on the table inside. Help yourself to anything you want. The place is all yours.' "'Gee, this is a good game, all right,' Bud laughed as he turned to put his horse in the corral. The sheriff sure knows how to deal." "'Leave a cigar for me, Silent,' jokingly warned Jim, as his friend turned toward the bunkhouse. "'Too many smokes will make you sick.' "'Well, you've got a gall, all right,' retorted Silent. "'You better let me bring yours out to you, and keep away from the box, for I'm always plumb suspicious of these goody-goody, itch-for-your-own-good people.' A crafty look came to Jack Lawson's face, and he turned to the orphan. "'Has Bill Howland got his cigars yet?' he asked, winking at his friends. "'Why, I don't know whether he has or not,' replied the orphan. "'But I don't believe that he has been out of sight of the pie since he came. They've got him in a trance.' "'Guess I'll take him one,' continued Jack, grinning broadly. "'He likes to smoke.' "'Sure enough. Go ahead.' endorsed the foreman of the A.Y. as he turned toward the grove. Then he stopped, and with a knowing look added, "'If you want to see Humble, he just went in the bunkhouse.' A yell of dismay arose as the outfit started pell-mell for the house. Silent entered it first, and his profanity informed his companions that their fears were well grounded. Neither Humble, cigars, tobacco, nor jug were to be seen, and a search was forthwith instituted. Jack looked at a distant corral, and saw lightning as the dog disappeared from sight into it. "'Hey!' he cried. "'He's in the big corral! I just saw his dog go in, and it was wagging its tail a whole lot. Come on, we'll surround it, and show that frisky gent a thing or two.' No more words were wasted, and in a very short time figures were creeping around the corral. Then there was a scramble as most of the searchers scaled the wall at different points while two of them ran in through the gate. The first thing they saw was the dog, and his tail was still wagging as he curiously followed, nose to the ground, a huge horned toad. He looked up at the sudden disturbance and backed off suspiciously, looking for a way to escape. "'Blank, blank!' chorused the fooled punchers, who discovered that deductions don't always deduct and then they returned to the bunkhouse to slick up. When finally satisfied about their appearance they made their way to the grove, 
and the sight which greeted their eyes as they entered it almost made them drop in their tracks. Humble and Bill sat cross-legged on a blanket which was surrounded with guns. The jug, tobacco and cigars were flanked by pies and a cake, while each of the conspirators held a lighted cigar in one hand while they took turns at the jug. A huge piece of pie rested in a plate at Humble's side while Bill's knee held a piece of cake. "'Hands up!' shouted Humble, grabbing a gun. "'Don't you dare to raid the gallery. You stay right where you are!' Bill's black snake whip leaped from point to point experimentally, picking up twigs and leaves with disturbing accuracy. The invaders halted just beyond the range of the whip, and consulted uneasily, not noticing that the driver had shortened his weapon by twice the length of its handle. Finally, Jim and Dossel ran back toward the corral, while their friends waited impatiently for their return, grinning at the enemy with an I-told-you-so air. Bill suddenly leaned forward, the whip slid down into his hand to the end of the handle and cracked viciously. Joe Haynes, who had grown a little careless, leaped into the air and yelled, grabbing at his leg. "'Keep your distance, you!' warned the driver, trying to look ferocious. Twenty feet is the deadline, children!' Jim and Dossel returned a pace and brought with them half a dozen lariats, which ranged in length from thirty to forty feet. "'Hey, you!' cried Humble in alarm. "'That ain't fair!' Grim silence was the only reply, as the invaders each took his rope and surrounded the two. Then suddenly the air was full of darting ropes, and in less time than it takes to tell of it the pair were hopelessly and helplessly trussed. Silent ran in and hurled the whip away, and then squatted before the prisoners, throwing their cigars after the whip as he took up the pie and cake, which he tantalizingly munched before their eyes. "'I like a hog, all right, but you suit me too blamed well,' asserted Bud, grabbing at Silent's pie. "'Give me some of that,' demanded Jim, trying for the cake. And when the disturbance had ceased there were no signs of either pie or cake. "'It's the travoy for you, humble dear,' softly hummed Charlie Bailey. "'And to the ranch, by the way of town.' "'And Bill will be pleased to explore the limping water on the bottom,' amended Jim. "'One of us can drive the women home.'" End of chapter 20